And welcome to the Nerds Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today in full colour, full technicolour, Martin Theobald. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. And never to be undone in this scenario, Mr. Terry Chippendama. No, it's a very sombre day. Um, Remembrance Sunday. You know, tip our heads to tip our hats to the guys who put it on the line. <laughs> As always, you know, fought for their country. That's real bravery, Anna. You hear a lot of things about bravery, but that is real bravery. So, you know, Remembrance Day, everyone just have a minute to reflect. Makes my limp biscuit done, entrance a bit bad you, now, doesn't it? done you there, mate. <laughs> Proper <laughs> done you. That's <laughs> <laughs> what Fred Durst would have wanted. <laughs> Fucking done you. Uh, <laughs> I care more about Remembrance Sunday than Terry, so... <laughs> Well, I don't know. Some pre <laughs> pre conclusive audio record that uh, <laughs> that you really don't. So, right, let's get on with it. I'm sick. I'm, I'm wearing two. Not parties. interested. <laughs> <laughs> That's broken you, that. <laughs> I really expected Terry to start singing on the microphone or something, but no, he just. <laughs> You're just gonna see me feeding twenty quids into a poppy seller's little. <laughs> I can't have this. <laughs> Theobald banned. Terry's embarrassed Theobald banned from yet another poppy stand. <laughs> Theobald sued by poppy appeal. <laughs> right. Head of poppy appeal cites previous record of causing institutional havoc. <laughs> However, I do, I'm a grass and that's where poppies grow. <laughs> <laughs> Only three more weeks, right? Something like that. Something like that. The truth what? will out. The Mate, truth wait. will out. What will you be afterwards, though? <laughs> Set Fearbold free. Do you know what? We're going to arrange therapy for you just to cope with <laughs> transitioning you back into society. He passes probation in three weeks' time. Something like that. Something and then he's like untouchable. That. He can say whatever he wants to whoever he wants. Yeah, that's how it works. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you pass into the realms of untouchability. I think that's what got me in trouble in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Frank Warren. <laughs> <laughs> what a great man! What, what a great man, Frank! What a great, great guy. One of boxing's real survivors, and his, he's always had this gift Fuck of off. working out. Fuck off. who's with him and who's against him. Yeah, who's a dirty grass and who's on his side. <laughs> Was he on Gardener's World once? And he had to really educate Alan Titchmarsh on, on, on really how to identify grass. <laughs> it's like, what you got here is you got your, your natural grass and your like 4G grass. And he's like, I don't really bother about the 4G grass. What it's are all, we on about? You know, all these plastic grasses. I don't care about them. I care about the real grasses. Uh-huh. <laughs> what a terrible start. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to the Frank Warren card at the weekend. So we're not doing a horticultural podcast. Oh, we could we? do if you want. No, um, no. we no. weren't meant to be doing it on drugs, but Angel Heredia. 
hasn't got back to me about uh, coming on. So apologies to anyone that was getting excited about Angel Heredia coming on, talking um, PEDs and all things drug-related. Yeah. But we've offered it to him. He's given us a phone number. I've sent him a message to confirm it and never heard back from him. So there you go. Okay. Another week. So anyway, the wrong Warren card... Uh, Nathan Gorman versus Mohamed Saltby. Tell me about this fight. I, I can just throw my two pennies worth, right? When you're six foot three and you waddle into the ring at 18 stone, it tells me you're not taking the sport seriously. Thank you. So <laughs> well, we, we, we say this every bloody week, right? AJ's shown you how you need to look as a heavyweight yeah, in one. 2017 going forward. Nathan Gorman's just come in as... I mean, and I like Nathan. I think he's skillful, but... One of the things I, I learned this from, from a boxing coach, and he said, he goes, no one ever gets faster by being bigger. And in boxing, speed kills. So it's almost reverse logic. And, you know, I don't think it helps having Ricky Hatton by your side trying to tell you how to lose weight, really, does it? When he's just sat there like an <laughs> overweight fucking... Just a real Swiss ball of a human being, isn't he, Ricky Hatton? So he comes in overweight. And you can see he's overweight because he was sluggish. And he's against the guy who's really a cruiserweight that couldn't be asked to go running. And you could see that. The, the guy felt one of those left hooks. He didn't really like it. But we're starting to see the limitations of Nathan Gorman now. Like, he has no jab. He has no jab of any quality. And all he kept looking for was either the lead hook or the counter hook. And you're going to fight people who are, who are not going to let you do that. <clears throat> You know, and he's not a he's not a big heavyweight in terms of height. What he is is a really skillful heavyweight. And my own view on it is he's going to have to learn how to bob and weave because he only caused um, salt beef, salt bay, whatever we want to call him. He only caused him damage when he was in close and could let the combinations go. You're not doing that against the Joshua. You're not. I don't even think you're doing that against the Nick Webb. He's too big. So how's Nathan going to get on the inside of these guys? I, I, and I know Martin's going to touch on this. When we saw him, when we saw him and Dom, you know, flattered to deceive, we were like, maybe it was just an off night. I have my doubts now. Where I'm looking at him, I'm like, how far can you really go in a heavyweight division that's rapidly heating up? Agree completely. Like I said it last night, that I think he's been overrated, and I think because we're getting excited about this domestic heavyweight scene we're almost trying to make it more exciting than it is. And so with the likes of Dubois, the likes of Joyce Bacoli, we're going to come on to in a minute, um, <clears throat> you know, young lads that are coming through or lads that are early enough in their career. Um, I think we're trying to build Gorman into something so that we've got more names and more numbers to add to it. And I just, I'm not impressed by him at all. I think Terry's spot on about the fact that he comes in overweight. I mean, I appreciate he's doing it for the average man. Like, you know, come in with man tits. That's great. Makes me feel better. There's always a future. But Isn't there always, <clears throat> isn't there always a boxer that sort of... Um, <clears throat> that people sort of look at and go, oh, yeah, he's going to be good. And then he flatters to the sea. Like, David Price strikes comes to mind like for whatever reason people the, thought it was going to be bigger than he people is. thought price was a wrecking ball whereas which gorman, he was at a certain point yeah and i think gorman was skillful enough that he looks like a very skillful heavyweight up to a certain point that um dominic akinlade fight for the uh it was meant to be for an area title or something it was, it was meant to be for the english wasn't it and then it wasn't and rightly so that, that fight was terrible so it should never have been for any title 
I gave him the benefit of the doubt off of that. I don't give him it necessarily now. And I know he's young, so there's plenty of um, headroom for him to grow into. But he doesn't seem to hit hard enough for a man who weighs 18 stone. And a man who is his size, his bulk, and he is bulky, but he's got that kind of, let's face it, fat to go with it. Hmm. Um, he doesn't hit hard enough. And yes, he stopped Saltby last night, but Saltby was in the wrong weight division, as Terry said. I don't know what he weighed in at, but it, 59. it wouldn't have taken much effort, as you say, to go down into a cruiserweight division. I'm just, I'm struggling. I think he maybe he can get up to a British title shot, maybe. I don't even think he can. He's, here's, here's the eternal balancing act. And I remember I got to spend time with the, the New York Nets. And one of the things that came out of the conversation was, you've got to know the balance point between making your guy as big as he can be without maxim- without limiting his, his peak velocity, if that makes sense. So if you look at AJ, I'm sure someone did the calculation to say he is no slower at 18 stone two than he is at 17 stone two. There's a cal- there'll be something somewhere that, that demonstrates he keeps the same speed. Even if he has more stamina issues, that's fine. But he keeps the same speed. I don't believe Gorman keeps the same speed at 18 stone as he would at 16. So he's only letting himself down by weighing 18 stone. He wasn't in against a puncher where you need the ballast, like Chisora normally does, to take the shots. He could have come in lighter. He could have come in in, more sh- in, in better shape. And there's just there were a lot of things that left me confused as to what Ricky Hatton's actually trying to do with him. Is he going to be like a Ricky Hatton guy who comes in, works to the body, softens you up, then takes you up with headshots? Or is Ricky trying to build a more classical heavyweight? We don't know. Yeah? Because it seems that he's caught between being left hook happy like Ricky was, but also trying to be quite tall and upright as traditional heavyweights are. So I think he's just caught between stools and he needs to define himself a bit more so we understand, A, how are you going to box? And with that in mind, how are you going to look physically in order to box? John Bailey asks, is Gorman just prepared BT Sport bait for <coughs> Triple D? Yeah, I, I don't think that's miles off. I think, um, yeah, I, ju- I do think Daniel Dubois would take him out. I don't think there'd be any problem with that because I don't think Nathan Gorman's punching hard enough to keep a Dubois off him, unless Dubois made of China. Like, I, I just think that Dubois will happily go through those punches and unleash hell upon him. And we don't know what Gorman's <clears throat> defence is like. We don't, we've never seen Gorman against someone who's come to take his head off. So you, you've got boxers that you see at a, a, like a, a younger level when you go, he's going to be big, and then he turns out to be big uh, in terms of his uh, success. Then you've got other boxers where you go, yeah, I'm not wholly convinced, but it turns out to repay your faith in overlooking his down downfalls. Is there any boxers that you know of that you've looked at and gone, he's not going to make it, he's rubbish, and turns out to actually be a success? <laughs> and Niyahad. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to lie I can tell you exactly I, I saw Anthony Yard it would have been about two, wait a minute he's not a success yet no no but, but even at 2013 we were at we were at an Earlsfield amateur show and this kid shows up just had headphones on kept walking around O'Hara Davis was floating around uh, Junior Benjamin was floating around and you look at this kid you're like who is this guy who is this guy and they're like, nah, he's been training with Tunde. And at that time there, people were, you know, they were quick to mock what Tunde was doing. So, so kid, this Anthony Yard kid goes in. He goes in against another kid at 81 kilos, about six foot one, six foot two. 
And, you know, I'd been sat next to the kid and he was telling me what he was going to do. He's like, yeah, I've knocked out my last three opponents. Uh, this will be nothing for me. Inside of 30 seconds, the guy was spark out on the floor. And you looked and you went, nah, that can't be real. You know, you, you, you're in denial. And then fight after fight, Anthony I just kept stopping people. And then you go, actually, he is. And it, it's the complexity of it. We're going to come on to Josh Taylor in a second. He's one of that rare breed where you watch Josh Taylor and the amateurs and you have no outstanding questions. All the things on your all the things on your little checklist all highlighted in green, right? So you leave that going, I have no doubts about this guy. You had the same feeling about Joshua where you were like, I can see where he's going because it's quite a flaccid heavyweight division. I have no doubts about him as well. But you have other guys, so like a Luke Campbell or an Anthony Fowler, where there are always questions in your head. So you, you they're a prospect, but you're still thinking you've got to show me a lot in your learning fights. So I think there's it's that that's generally the split. There's some people who you just watch him and you go, nah, he's the real deal. And then there are others where you're like, ah, not so sure. And Fowler's beginning to prove us right on that on that front. Yeah, so with Gorman, I was uh, I was scolded by a few people yesterday for saying I thought he was overrated. But somebody said, you know, he's young and he never had much of an amateur career. It's like he, he won the youth ABAs. He was almost on the GB podium squad, and then Hatton essentially um, stole him, took him in, whatever, for a professional career. So he did have an amateur career, and he was quite an esteemed amateur. Um, it's just, don't give me. There are many years ahead of him, and maybe he'll go ahead to prove How me old wrong. How is he? Twenty-one. Um, so maybe he'll go and prove me wrong. It's oh, just that, <clears throat> I don't see anything there at the moment that excites me about him. Is it just his lack of discipline? Or well, I, I texted this to you guys yesterday, right? And it's just a common theme amongst. If we look at the the boxers who come from a traveller's background, so you've got the likes of Huey Fury, Tyson Fury, Billy Joe Saunders, Frankie Gavin, now Nathan Gorman. None of them are renowned as being able to punch hard. They're all like very skilled boxers, very, you know, you couldn't ever kind of really pick a fault in their skills as boxers, but none of them have got quality power. power. But um, you, know, you know why that is, though? Because none of them take drugs. Well, <laughs> well, 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 well I know with the Titan and Huey stuff, maybe that's a, a debatable <laughs> thing, but none of them, you know, mm. if you look at them, they look like athletes. They don't look like athletes with a little bit of additional athletic I, I, I think the problem uh, with humble pie so in the tra- when you talk to to boxers from a traveling background they reject everything that science tells us right so they reject the idea that lifting weights in some context will actually make you stronger they don't believe that you know, they'd rather be out back tossing rocks and maybe pigs or something you know it's they they, they miss out on the on the repeated marginal gains that you get in an elite environment so you know, working on your, your working on your nutrition, working on your psychology, working on the physical elements of your game. They don't do any of these things, and that's why you see they they turn up and they just they don't look right. Having said that, there's certain things like their psychology, for example. They never they never strike me as anything but total self belief, focus, self belief. I mean, look, <laughs> I've I've highlighted there. Tyson Fury's a world champ. Billy Joe Saunders, who's a world champ. <laughs> Huey Fury, who's just fought for a world championship. Frankie Gavin, who was a world amateur champion. So, look, it's not a critique on them as boxers, yeah. but they all seem to lack that uh, that power. And uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it is just a coincidence out of this uncastrated generation. bull. That's yeah, why. Yeah. Oh, is it an uncastrated pig or boar or something? Interesting. Interesting f- meal choice. 
Um, I was surprised they didn't even say they ate US beef, which is notoriously full of nandrolone, especially if you eat the beef fat. Appa- apparently, that um, that uncastrated wild boar is <clears throat> like a legit, a legit high in like renowned high in testosterone. So it's like by eating it, if if it if it was a genuine thing, that a uh, genuine excuse, and is, then you got to think to yourself, actually, that's a that's a pretty good way. Well, to get. yes and no, well, but only, like, only if you ate the testes. But- <laughs> As much as it might be like a brilliant excuse, it's also a terrible excuse because if it's renowned as being so high in it, then surely you've got to be careful how much of it you're well, eating. Sorry, uh, we're keeping you up. Uh, <laughs> is that if it's just a natural, uh, a natural thing to eat, and it's spiking up drug t- taking things? Isn't that I mean the drug test is flawed? No, no, no. You're not meant to have that level of the stuff in your body. That's like saying I can go and eat magic mushrooms because they grow in a field. I know, but I'm thinking doesn't mean I should be doing. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, when they go and train at altitude, it mimics the same thing EPO does in your body, doesn't it? Right? So, yes. So, what if you went and trained at high altitude? Could it could it trigger a drugs test? No, because they they factor all of this in. So, so we'll take testosterone as an example. There's a threshold whereby it's like no biological male in history has ever exceeded this level, and it's about fourteen hundred micrograms per deciliter or something like that. Whatever. So if you record 6,000, right, you're winning. There's, there, that's not an accident. That's not a, well, I was just at altitude or I, I ate just watched four some pigs porn. before breakfast. Yeah, it's not that. If, you, if you're just over, so let's say you're three, three to 5% over, you'll normally get a squeeze in a drug test here. You know, like, well, it's a bit over, stress, cortisol, that stuff can happen. So when you're seeing these tests being triggered, it's because that level is elevated your test to epi test level is elevated too. But we discussed it about the, you know, the hormone. I think it's like UGZ272 or something that apparently a lot of Asian men have. And what it means is you don't release as much metabolite into your urine. I think it's 273. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he's Googling it as well. I haven't got a clue. (laughs) No, no. So essentially what, what, what you're looking at is there are some people on this earth that could dope their tits off and pass the test. Mm, they wouldn't have tits, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, okay. And, and, and that, I think that might be one of the reasons why, even though you find widespread state-sponsored doping in China, you don't find many Chinese athletes failing tests. If Heredia didn't bottle it and turn up tonight, then uh, we could speak to him about it. Yeah, okay, well, let's there move you go. on. Um, He's keep, probably keep, bottling something else. Piss keep, samples. Keep tweeting memo. Keep tweeting it. What a life. <laughs> um, Glenn Foot versus Josh Leather. Uh, just a shout-out, really. Leather or Leather? Leather. Uh, it was just a cracking fight. The scorecards were way off in the end. Um, leather won, despite getting floored heavily. Big lead right hand Glenn Foot jumped him with early on in the fight. But Glenn Foote got a point deducted for his gum shield continually coming out. Which in lots of scenarios, you would say that's when somebody's knackered, when somebody's um, trying to buy a little bit of time. His was just, I think he had a really poor fitting gum shield. Yeah. Uh, it was coming out, he wasn't tired, he wasn't getting it stuck on him. There was no need for him to take a rest. His gum shield just kept coming out. Um, and as it turns out, like the scores were so far off what they probably should have been anyway that even if that didn't happen, it wouldn't have affected the result. Um, but what a, an unprofessional way to potentially lose a fight. Um, yeah. He was having a poor fitting gum shield. But 
Um, it was a really, really enjoyable fight. And the problem was it ran over into, um, because Frank Warren cards typically run a lot later than every other person on the planet. Um, it ran over into the Josh Taylor fight. Um, so I was kind of flicking between Josh Taylor and the end of that because I'd really enjoyed watching it up to that point. Um, but yeah, it was it was an enjoyable fight. Josh Leather uh, was a heavy favourite going in and uh, he got a, a very favourable scorecard off the end of it. Okay, so the one we've all been waiting to talk about, Liam Smith versus <laughs> Liam Williams. Fuck. <laughs> you know what? So I, I missed this as I was, I was out last night, but I watched it this morning. It was just a really horrible fight. Yes. Someone like Steve Bunce would have been sat there going, this is a great trade fight. This is a great trade fight. People in the boxing trade will love this. It was horse shit. It was utter <laughs> horse shit. And wait, I'll wait to see it's, what he says about it. It's, it so essentially, you had, you, had, you had Liam Williams, who is about as complex technically a boxer as a Massey Ferguson tractor. He's essentially just a lump that just walks forward. And to give him his due, he's got a really good right uppercut. He knows how to let it go. But there are no bells and whistles to what he does. And we've got Liam Smith. Who's who, a Joe Gallagher fighter. So you don't yeah, need to elaborate. So, 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 so Liam Smith is there. and, and, and <laughs> He hasn't even started describing it. He's already exacerbated. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, and, and <laughs> give Liam Smith his due. He knew that he just had to go in there and just keep answering back. And, you know, the judges will be leaning to him from the start anyway. But it was just a turgid fight. It never really kicked off. There was a little bit of needle in the beginning. Then they hugged at the end. And I was like, this is garbage. You know, it's a, it's a rematch that didn't need to happen. I hope there's never a trilogy. And unfortunately, this means Liam Williams now fights for a world. Liam Smith fights for a world title now, which is somewhat depressing. Which will be a soft touch as well, because it's Cotto versus Saddam Ali, isn't it? That well, so, Saddam Ali, because because I think Cotto retires after this fight. Yeah, so assume Cotto wins that fight, which he probably should. Then that title probably goes vacant, and you end up with Liam Smith probably getting a soft touch against someone. Liam Williams for, <laughs> against Liam Williams for the Frank, world. Yeah, Frank would just do that. Um, yeah, so you know it's going to end up something along those lines. But um, yeah, no, it was just it was boring man it was yeah. uh, it was a real washout i think this is the first warren card this year where i've been like you've left me deflated every other one has been pretty solid Ex you know excluding the fan violence and so forth he's got us excited he's got some young guns in there you know umar sadiq's out you know there's some there's some big ticks in the box and i'm hoping this is just uh you're sandbagging it for us frank until december 9th that's what i'm hoping for i was quite looking forward to that fight the Liam Smith, Liam Williams one. And like in hindsight, you know, you look forward to it because you think there's that legit needle there. Um, I actually think, I'm going to throw it out there, I think Gary Lockett's stable of fighters will be tarnished now mentally with what's gone on. Um, so with the Day 11's Mike Towell tragedy, with what happened to Nick Blackwell, I think those fighters are going to be almost like cursed in a sense of, is it that they've got that um, that finishing touch that they require, that extra level of aggression that the boxers require? They've all been through it. They've all been through seeing Mike Towell die. They've all been through seeing Nick Blackwell, you know, whatever state he's in now. All of that's come out of the Gary Lockett gym. And there's nothing, you know, like those things are just tragic accidents. But every single person that trains in that environment has been through it. And I think that 
that tarnishes mm. the mental side of each of those fighters. But, but, right. but he's it never produced everyone. anyone. He's, Gary Lockett has never produced anyone you can ever see fighting for anything other than a British title. And even then, you'd be surprised that they got the title shot. He, he creates what I call just plodders. That's all they are. They're just plodders. They're guys who know how to run up hills, do press-ups, do pull-ups. And they've got enough of a chin that they can keep doing that round after round. It's not exciting. It's not appealing. And it will never get fans engaged in the sport. No matter how many times people try and tell us these guys are good, honest pros. They're just not a good, sellable commodity. That's just the truth. Is that because his name's Gary Lockett? If his name was Gary Lockiti, like Samuel Adichie, <laughs> bread and <laughs> No, no. <laughs> right. If, so, it, if it was just Gary Gallagher, Paul, then maybe. Paul Altai, British Boxing Blog, Tom Harvey, Jim Proud, Pete James, Peter Chambers and Gaz Jensen all ask, where does Liam, insert surname, go from here? Right, right I'm going to shut this down for a second. <laughs> so just answer both <laughs> right. boxes. Right. Where does either boxer go from no, no, here? No, no, I need to shut this down. If you're going to send a question in... <laughs> prepare to be scolded. Mm. Just have a question that's going to require one, two, or three of us to think beyond <laughs> the obvious because you know where they're going next. One goes up, one goes down. It, it, it's, it's a tale as old as time, right? <laughs> Save yourself the 280 characters. Ask us something that's just a little bit deeper because I'm sure you want to know something that is a bit different. We're, we're, we don't exist here to, to be comparators of anything. We're just here to give you a view on the sport of boxing. Still cheers for then. From, a, from, a, from an official <laughs> standpoint, Nerge Boxing loves your questions and keeps sending them in. We love each and every one of you as listeners and we totally appreciate you. Having said that, listen to what Terry's saying. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, right. But as for where they go next, we just yeah. said it. Smith will get a soft WBO title shot. Liam Williams is kind of in that. They'll find a reason to fight Brian Rose, I'm sure. Right, before we get onto the Cyclone show, I want to address one of Paul Altai's other questions, which is actually pretty good. Which commentator out there do you he think He giveth provides... and he taketh away. <laughs> yeah. Which commentator out there do you think provides the most accurate, unbiased views? I, you, I guess you could add into that uh, most interesting. Like, what is, Who is Jr. your favourite? Roy Jones Jr. by some distance. He speaks Russian now, though. <laughs> until he pays his, until he's paid off his his debts <laughs> for me the best the best I've heard Roy Jones Jr for just for consistency he's been doing it year after year but when they get Mike Tyson on commentary he's really up there so Mike, and he's one of those guys who's encyclopedic so he'll he'll I mean you you'll throw a sequence and he'll tell you exactly who threw that first, um, and you get the insight, and Mike's really good at that, and he's, he becomes a fan behind the microphone. Foreman's pretty good as well. Malinaggi, like on these shores, Malinaggi always does a good job when he's flown over. I think he gives you a really nice technical insight into what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, and let's remember what he did. <laughs> the only man who actually called the broken orbital bone on Kel Brook. Yes, yes. Um you know, aside from all the bitching about Conor McGregor, like I respect Paulie Malinaggi yeah. for that. Um, but the highlight of last night from the Box Nation card was when they cut to the back. Uh, this was during Glenn Foot Josh Leather, 
And it wasn't Barry Jones, it was the other commentator. I can't remember the name John of... John Rawling. John Rawling. Cuts to the back where they're going to go and interview Joe Gallagher. Ronald McIntosh is backstage interviewing Joe Gallagher. John Rawling cuts to it saying, we'll cut now to uh, an interview with Joe Gallagher from uh, Ronald McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> it's the second time they've done it. They clearly in that office, Monday to Friday, call him Ronald McDonald. In the same way that you might like take the piss out of a co-worker if they weren't there. And then you never, ever say it to their face. <laughs> and then they said it not only to his face, but to thousands of people tuning in around the country. Like, you absolute tits. <laughs> um, okay. Actually, Man Age is a good example of when he was boxing, I really didn't like him. And then when I started actually getting to know his personality through the commentary, and I was like, actually, this guy's all right. And then when he starts kicking off about McGregor, I'm like, ah. Oh. But that one in the fight <laughs> against Eggington, after he just lost to Eggington, and then goes and gives his own punditry ringside, straight after the fight, sat on the ring apron, talking about what Eggington had done well, and giving his own tactical insight. That was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, okay, let's move on to the Chantel Cameron fight on the Cyclone card. She fought Edith Ramos... How did she do? I I thought she was brilliant. Yep. So I think I think there's a couple of things I want to say about the Cyclone card. I think we're now beginning to see the evolution of the McGuigan style. So we're going to come into all the fights later, but you will notice that they're all pretty similar in approach. So target the body. I think Chantal Cameron is probably the finest example of it. Now... Andy believes Chantal Cameron's incredibly fine and, and he, 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 he has his finger in his mouth at this point. <laughs> sucking that's himself not, off. That's not true. If you could see the action. <laughs> now, he is fine. So, so I think there were three things that really impressed me about oh, Chantal Lord. Cameron. First of all was how fast she is in delivering her punches. like The rotation and then just the release as well. Unbelievably fast. And also... Her arms are a lot longer than you think they are. Because she was throwing hooks from absolutely miles out. And Ramos clearly wasn't used to that. But third and most importantly, it's the combination punching. Now, you watch someone like Katie Taylor do it, and it feels a bit robotic, and it feels a bit soulless. Like, you know, she's just been drilling pads and just doing drills. When you see Chantel Cameron, it, it's you're applying it in a fight context. There's intelligence behind it. And she was ripping to the body. Um, you could see she was things were just being set up, and you're watching it. it was It was a textbook fight, and you know I'm going to give Ramos credit for being super tough, even though she didn't show up to fight. But Ramos was super tough because she was taking an absolute shellacking and still coming back out when she didn't need to. The thing is with Cameron, when you watch her, she is a fighter. Like there's no doubt about that. And I think Terry had said it before. If she wasn't in a boxing ring, she'd be outside a shopping center looking for a fight. I think <laughs> he didn't mean that as an insult. It's just that that's in her nature to go out and she wants to be in that ring scrapping with people, but she does it with intelligence. And so it's not to say that she's just like someone who's out there looking for a fight. She's, she's got a very good boxing brain about her. And when she throws punches, man, she throws them with spite. And I watched this with my son last night, my eight year old son. <laughs> And uh, he was sat there like he was mesmerized by it that a woman could throw punches that quickly, that hard, that accurately. Um, and like he, he was fascinated by it. And I think that's testament to like how good she was because there were a lot of women's fights that I could have shown him where he wouldn't have. 
and he would have like mm. never realised that female boxing can be that vicious almost. Um, and that's the difference. Like, if you can get a Chantel Cameron in front of people's eyes, you can legitimise women's yeah. boxing. Yeah. You're not going to do that with some of the female fighters that we're seeing. But with Chantel Cameron, the best thing you can say about her is that she will legitimise the sport if you can get her in front of people's eyes. A trailblazer as well. This woman has everything. Okay, let's move we're on. We're going to try and get her on here as well. She's <laughs> only up in Northampton. That's not far. Chantel, when you listen, we'll, uh, we'll get in contact. Okay, question from Ricky Wright. Who, uh, Ricky, we apologise for any damage we're doing to your soul. Your moral um. barometer. <laughs> <laughs> He's Can a big fan of Chantel Cameron as well. He's a wise man. Who isn't? She, she might be the first, like, you know where people be like, yeah, I'm not going to go watch the fight. I'm going to go and watch the weigh-in. <laughs> <laughs> he sent me a photo of her on Twitter of, from the weigh-in with just, like, flames. <laughs> Good man. Who is the biggest money fight in female boxing? Katie Taylor versus Jonas or Cameron? Will Hearn avoid putting Taylor against Cameron? Who wins? Does anyone care? <laughs> Bit harsh. No, no. <laughs> that, that fight I care about. I think I would as well, to be fair. Because it'll be the first time someone's been in there with Katie Taylor who's not either a shop assistant or just a fucking pudding. <laughs> or a pudding shop assistant. <laughs> Quite attractive. <laughs> um, but no, no, essentially, look, you give Cameron a few more fights, up the challenges. I can see a Chantal Cameron Sam Smith fight down the line. I think you know you, you can get to that place because you've got two ladies there who who will have a row. Like you that bombs will get detonated in that while Katie Taylor's doing the, the patter cake patter cake. And nah, then, that's no she was she was good at Wembley uh, Wembley Cardiff. You see, yeah that good you remember where it was <laughs> <laughs> eventually. Uh, no, look I think Katie Taylor's got a lot to do to convince us She's the superhuman athlete that Adam Smith claims. You know, if, if you believe Adam Smith, Katie Taylor does her road work on the Atlantic. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> we we need to be realistic here. Which she later turns into wine. Um, but no, I think what weighs Hannah? What, well, hold on, what weighs Hannah Rankin? I've no idea. <laughs> no, because Andy's a fan. I'm not going to try and lie my way out of this. <laughs> I'm trying to lie my way out of this, but. Look, I mean, I think we're going to see Jonas versus Katie Taylor at some point in the future. Uh, I think that's a very likely fight. I think Taylor comes through that. Um, Chantel Cameron was at super featherweight last night, wasn't she? She didn't fight a lightweight, I'm fairly sure. Um, but if I'm honest, again, like I've not really got my head around who's in what weight divisions in the women's um, boxing. But someone like Chantel Cameron is the exact reason why I would start to um, make myself a little bit more knowledgeable about it. So, you don't think that Hearn's going to avoid putting anyone together then? I don't think he's got options. If you build Chantel Cameron correctly on Channel 5, there aren't that many people in the, the mix that you can make fights for. So, once you've had Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas, whoever wins that needs an opponent. And also, I think the thing to remember is, as long as Chantel Cameron's on Channel 5, I think this is an important point young women can just watch it. It's accessible to young women. You don't have to go through the, the bullshit of Sky Box Office and all of that nonsense to go and watch quality female boxing. It's just there, Channel 5, you've got TV in your room, you can watch that. So she might actually turn out to have a bigger impact on women getting into the sport than Katie Taylor does. 
Right, a question from John Bailey. Does anyone know who the money is from within the beep buyout? A lot of questionable beep, beep links prior to this <laughs> with beep, beep, managing beep <laughs> and being mates with beep and now the beep buyout. No, next. No, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Yeah, I know. It's strange. It's a weird yeah. one. John, um, it's strange. I don't think that's quite come across. I said it as best I could, but... Sorry, John. I like my kneecaps. No comment. <laughs> so thank you for asking the question. It won't be answered. You know how sometimes we put our heads above the parapet? Like, sometimes yeah. we don't. Okay, let's move on. Will the empty venue that was half open for sale anyway be mentioned anywhere? What can Eddie do in the US to secure further fights without taking a big UK name out to fight a big US so name? So here's our commercial John break Bailey. between the Matchroom card, uh, the, <laughs> the Cyclone yes. card fights. This is a question we can answer. Yes. Um, look, you got to look at the Hearn thing in the States from, from the two different dimensions, right? Hearn needs to create some stars that he can bring over here. So he's gone over there to go, do you know what? If I put the Hearn dust on these guys from, from you know, November onwards, I can bring them to the UK for meaningful fights, number one. Number two, I have a weapon in case Billy Joe Saunders beats Lemieux. Because, you know, Eddie likes to needle Frank every so often. And he just go, yeah, yeah, I want that belt. But also the second thing is the Americans are going to let this happen because they want to know what's Eddie Hearn's secret. So once you get him in America, you give him a couple of events and you distill the Hearn formula. And you go, does that work in the US? The minute they work out how to make it work in the US, expect Hearn to be out of there. Because if the reverse was happening in the UK, guys like Christian Late would get a phone call from either Frank or Eddie going, unless Al Heyman has 50 fights for you, you best not do anything with him. And you stick to who's given you money thus far. <clears throat> and that will happen in America as well. They'll close ranks on Eddie Hearn when it gets interesting. So... Expect his retreat from America to be swift and to be chastening. That's the word I'm going to use for it. I love the fact that he's been there for a week. And in that week, Anthony Joshua started tweeting off swear words. And in that week, StubHub's offices got raided. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't know this. Yeah, so there's an entire ongoing investigation that's sanctioned by the government where they've got a, a ring fence budget to go and find out about ticket entails and how StubHub works um, and others via GoGo, um, SeatWave, all those kind of companies. Ticketmaster. Yes. Um, And so certain of these names, these ticketing companies, handed over the information that they were asked for, um, whereas StubHub didn't. They refused to. So they've had their offices raided. And it's so um, funny because apparently, apparently there was an 18 stone two man at the entrance going, you can't come in. <laughs> and the, lo- the four nearest local Argos's have run out of shredders. <laughs> <laughs> there was just big fires going off around the back of the offices. Bonfire, Bonfire night, mate. Don't worry about it. We just have it late around yeah. here. You're just literally six foot six, 18 stone guy just looking at these investigators going, you know about that life. Eddie warned these geezers, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so like the the entire StubHub operation is being investigated. Um, And some of the stuff that's come out about it, not necessarily about StubHub, but about the industry, is just looking into like preferred sellers. So those that um, 
and do it in high volume, get such preferential treatment so they're able to have additional like management so they can sell tickets en masse. So if you or I went to StubHub to try and sell tickets, you'd have say you had say you'd brought forty off of the original StubHub sale and you wanted to sell forty, you or I would have to sell like ten lots of four, say. Whereas they get like these management tools, the ones that do it as a business get like a management tool online whereby they can manage their um, their ticket touting essentially. Um, so the, the whole thing will start to get a little bit dirty. Hopefully, uh, we'll find out who's an absolute cunt out of all this, and I think we already know the answer. So it's really interesting because the Competition and Markets Authority, and I, I know this from the industry that I'm in, they come in and they're pretty ruthless because they. They're coming with a clear remit. So what they're trying to find is they're trying to find inefficiencies in this market. And the key question is, why is an £80 ticket going for 950 quid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, why is there such a massive inefficiency? If they find that actually when we're being told tickets <clears throat> are sold out and in fact only 20% went on release to the general public, that's a massive market inefficiency. So there will be, you have to take remedial action and there'll be defined timescales by which you'd have to do that. And they might even say, do you know what? StubHub cannot sponsor events or organizations that supply it with tickets. So that might, they might have to sever those sorts of relationships. The CMA is pretty powerful. So let's see how this works. Because I'm, I'm <coughs> intrigued to see how Hearn can put the spin on this one. Yeah, because look, if there was an outcome, and I'm not saying this is the outcome, I'm not accusing anyone, I'm not making allegations for legal purposes, right? Oh, if there was an outcome whereby it turned grass. out... Whereby it turned out that um, a promoter, any promoter, because there are various ones that work with StubHub, probably. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure at least at least one was in, one other one was there at in one a point. way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if a promoter was handing over large ticket volumes to StubHub and saying, you know, make sure these end up on the secondary market and never end up on the the first primary market. And then those started going for £80 where they were £40 face value. There are going to be big repercussions. So I don't know whether those StubHub fires around the back of the offices are going to be carrying on for a little while. Does, or... this, have the, does this have the possibility of affecting British boxing on any grand It scale? has the ability to affect the business models of some promoters, potentially. Great. I mean... It is great. It is great for fans. Because look, yeah, if there are, is. say... Again, hypothetically, say it was affecting, I don't know, Jantony Ashwa, right? Um, a, a flyweight from London or Watford or anywhere, right? <laughs> and that flyweight was able to sell out Wembley or Cardiff or anywhere. I've heard he still is his mum, actually. Allegedly, yeah. Jantony. In a student house in Sheffield as well. <laughs> with, with Tracy, Aaron and Jim. <laughs> and they don't like him because he doesn't do the washing up. So they leave loads of post-its, but they have to leave them really high up on the fridge because <laughs> he's, he's a, a really, really tall, tall flyweight. flyweight yeah. he, he's huge for yeah. the weight. Huge. Probably about 18 stone flyweight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Can look, you imagine a six foot plus flyweight? How thin he'd be. So be look, like the fact is, right, if these 80,000 tickets were, in theory, ending up in public hands, <laughs> that's very different to 60,000 of them ending up in ticket out hands which may or may not turn out to be the yeah. case and actually suddenly the boxing fans out there because it does get filled Wembley got filled for the Klitschko fight with 80,000 people however many of those maybe 50% or more ended up paying more than the face value of the ticket 
now think all of those people could pay the face value. It's the fans that could benefit. If this comes off as being something that they're doing illicitly, then the fans will benefit from it. So we should all be happy that it's being looked into. Because remember what the original model was for things like StubHub? It was this. You, you have an event. It sells out organically. It just sells out because you release tickets. They will get sold at face value. All of a sudden, I can't go. It's hard for me to find people that want to buy. I put it on this platform and it works. It's now evolved to a thing that says, we're a ticketing, we're a ticket selling platform in our own right now. Mm. We're not an exchange. It's not an exchange of value it's here. Creating it's a, a middleman where there was no need for a middleman. Exactly. And, and, and that middleman has an asymmetry of information, which then enables them to profit off that. And I think the CMA should be looking to reduce that asymmetry of information, which means Hearn should tell us how many tickets are going on release to the general public and how many are going on release to StubHub. Yeah, it, it rages me. It does rage me. I just, I just see, if anything, I see boxing fans getting screwed over either which way. Either it stays the way it is or <coughs> when it, the, the current business model falls apart, then they go, oh, yeah, we can't afford to put on these fights or some crappy excuse like yeah, that. Yeah, but we're getting the crappy excuse at the moment. Oh, there's just no way to avoid this happening. Yes, there is. There, there absolutely is. There are many ways in other uh, entertainment industries that it already happens that you can stop this. Doesn't um, Ed Sheeran, he puts your, your name and your... And you have to bring something. IDs. So yeah. You have to bring passport or driving license. Same with Glastonbury. Glastonbury lets in 250,000 people over the course of a weekend. That's an AJ way in though. Come on, be serious. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you're telling me you can't do Wembley because oh it's just it'd be too much of a logistical issue for everybody to get their driving license their passport out etc yeah yeah, of course Glastonbury does but it. they can get money up for a pint yeah. and there's nightclubs that won't let you in unless you've got your driving license on you there's all sorts of things like that it's yeah. not the end of the world and actually in an era whereby there's lots and lots of violence at boxing venues that we're seeing um, maybe that's overstating the mark but there's an increase in violence at, f- uh, at, some venues. Venues. at some venues. At some venues, yeah. Um, Care to elaborate? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not for three weeks. <laughs> um, but to mitigate against that. Yeah, so you, you know how a nightclub takes your uh, ID as you're going yeah. in, so that they can then check back on the CCTV. Yeah. If there's ever any trouble, they've got all your details yeah. on tap. Like, if they could do that in boxing venues, then... You know, even if the violence continued, you can start to identify the people that are responsible. I think half the attendance would just drop. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so again, it's not in anybody's interest who's selling these events. It could clean up boxing. You get, you get uh, maybe a different crowd in there that aren't going to start well, kicking be, be, off and Because smoking. there's a massive appetite to clean up a sport that is so opaque that money can go missing at any point from large terrestrial broadcasters that seem to be funding someone's lifestyle in Yorkshire, who I'm probably not allowed to mention, am I? when is there an appetite? There's never an appetite to clean up a sport within the sport, but it's people from the outside that have to do it. (laughs) That's Martin's gone. We'll just pause it there. Right, let's get back on track. Now Martin's composed himself. Uh, Martin Bacoli versus Ali Bagus. There you go. That's my best attempt at that name. Yeah, look, I mean, Martin Bacoli, big heavyweight. I mentioned his name earlier. Um, not sure which is it Congo that he comes DRC, from. DRC, yeah. Yeah. Um, now residing in Scotland, training with Billy Nelson. 
um, who yeah. worships the ground he walks. He like. does. Like if yeah, you yeah. need a mouthpiece for a fighter, Billy Nelson is a brilliant, brilliant example. Oh, yeah, going to a Twitter round because I was like, mate, your guy's famous for beating a Dominic Akinladi that didn't want to punch. But but really nice body shot to end it. Uh, he's another one though that you look at and you think you could be training harder. Um, you know, he's a, another one that's representing the uh, the average man out there, but. I like the look of him. I think he he could be working harder, could be training harder by the looks of him. Um, but lovely body shot to end the fight against a nobody, though. So all these people that are building up records, and that's for an IBO, like, international whatever title, all these people building up records. I just want to start seeing people coming together. Because he's an interesting guy. You know, when you watch Bacoli, he starts off really, really slowly, right? Yes, he does. And then it's almost like it starts to build. And he gets to this point where he's just in... It's like he finds his groove and he starts just punching in combinations that you don't really understand because he's almost in that zone where he goes, I'm channeling my inner middleweight. And he'll just start throwing combinations, like Fury does at times, where you're like, what the hell? And it confuses a lot of his opponents. Because he doesn't look like the guy that's got any kind of hand speed. He looks quite. He looks. He looks a bit. He's got a look of the village idiot about him. <laughs> but then he gets in that ring and he causes so much mayhem that I'd quite like to see him. And I don't think he needs any tune up fights. Stick him in with Nick Webb. Forget Nathan Gorman for now. Stick him in with Nick Webb and we'll find out who's really got what. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look at him in the future. Again, I just want to start seeing some of these people come together. But apparently, he causes havoc in the gyms. He Co- was sparring Joshua. Yeah. Um, he sparred many, many rounds with Joshua in the build-up to the uh, Takam fight and causes a lot of problems for him, apparently. Yeah, hard as now. I think that there's, they're saying he's got a chin of granite, but we'll see. You know, everyone's got a chin of granite. Until they get and, 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 you know, <laughs> Until they meet someone with, a, with the fists of granite. And all of a sudden, you realize it might have been clay. Yeah. Okay, to wrap up this Cyclone card, two more fights. Um, Terry, you wanted to talk about McGregor versus Sashov. Where does Sashov come from? Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Probably. Yeah. So, (laughs) Martin is deeply interested in this one. So, so I think we need to give the McGuigan camp credit because they have an ability of trawling the amateur scene and almost playing moneyball. And going, who's who are these fighters no one's talking about? Or that Hearn doesn't seem to have on his radar, Warren doesn't seem to have on his radar, but these guys can actually fight. They did it with Josh Taylor, where we're all sat here wondering how the hell Josh Taylor is not on matchroom or how Josh Taylor is not with Frank Warren. I think Lee McGregor might fall into that category. It's too early to say. I don't know, yet. Channel 5 were telling us that Warren wanted him, Hearn wanted him, everybody wanted him. They were telling oh, us that went, during the fight. And he went to Cyclone, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but so so you've got to give the McGuigan approach credit because it seems that they have a list already of people they want to work with. And I saw it firsthand with a guy called Chris Billum Smith, who was also on the undercard of this fight. So they had Chris Billum Smith in camp for the first David Hay comeback fight. And probably actually the second one as well. And Shane was watching him and you saw Shane, you know, giving him little pointers and so forth. But you could see then that they were studying him. They were asking about the background. They were doing their research. So, I mean, fast forward a year and a half, they sign him. And Chris Binham-Smith is fast approaching 
the levels that Lawrence and Isaac are at, and you'll probably shoot past them in the <laughs> next in the next year and a half. He was getting caught too easily last night. Who, Chris Bill Smith? Yeah, he was getting caught very very easily. Um, left his lead hand far too low when he, like whether that was because he knew that he was going to blast this lad out. Whatever. It wasn't great. It wasn't great to watch, like in terms of his progression. But the the thing about him, and I'll give him his due. I think he's he's de- he's definitely twice ABA finalist. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong; he's got a great yeah. um, pedigree to him. But I say last yeah. night there were warning signs when I was watching him, thinking you'd want to get rid of that if you're Shane McGuigan. It'll come. It'll come. So, so just just to, before Andy starts, you know, rotating the finger. <laughs> now, so so essentially, the, the McGuigans have done it, and with Lee McGregor, they might have someone and. I get excited when I see young fighters immediately targeting that left hook to the body. I did when Callum Smith first came out because it's a very hard punch to get right. And like when people say to me, you know, people who throw good left hooks, I say, look at Miguel Cotto. You want to see a big guy throw mean left hooks? Look at Shannon Briggs. Like whatever people say about Briggs at 40 something, he's still got that. I call it the pendulum hook where it just hits the body, hits the head literally in the blink of an eye. And he he did it. He he poleaxed um, Sashov with three three murderous hooks to the body. Sashov wasn't all that, and I wasn't looking for wasn't a challenging fight. The geezer's yeah. got three wins on his record, all of them in Bulgarian gyms. Yeah, so none of them probably wow. actually happened. That is pretty no, impressive. But, but, but what you're looking for, even in that situation, is you're looking for decision making. Like when you get that first round blowout, you're really just looking at the the decision making. Is he just going in there like Conor Ben used to, causing mayhem and hoping that one of the shots lands? It was methodical. Once he knew that the left hook to the body was was hurting this guy, he was just setting it up, distracting him, boom. So I want to see this guy in about three or four fights time and just see where he is because I get excited about those sorts of things. You know, I guess it's just it's who I am, but you know, where you can get those left hooks beautifully timed to the body and actually drop someone repeatedly. So it's, it's a promising sign. Okay. Uh, and to finally tie this Cyclone card up, Josh Taylor versus Miguel Vasquez. Everyone just... All, all, all hail. Everyone hail. Just hail. He's lovely, isn't he? He's lovely to watch. Everything about him excites you. It's everything. His timing, his footwork, his power, his speed... He's clearly got a bit of a chin on him. He can clearly solve problems because Miguel Vasquez was causing a lot of issues for four, maybe five rounds before Taylor started to actually dominate the fight. Uh, and he's got his finger in there. No, I'm just going to say, uh, Dan Frost asks, uh, an impressive and gritty performance from Josh Taylor last night. Look, the real deal against Vasquez, only after 11 fights, what next? European title against Yigit? Or head straight towards world level now that Crawford has vacated the belt? I think you've got a problem now because he's had 11 fights. Crawford's wasted that 140 division by taking all the belts and then moving up. So you've left this just desolate land of, uh, of belts knocking about. I think Terry Flanagan has moved up to 140 now and is in line to fight for the WBO title. If I was Josh Taylor, I would be making sure my name was on the other side of that bit of paper. I think it's Maurice Hooker. <laughs> oh, that's right, isn't it? Which is a real shame. Like, again, Terry Flanagan manages to avoid relevant fights for the rest of his career. But fuck it, that's, <laughs> I'm fed up of it. It's irrelevant. Irrelevant. Um, 
but yeah, I don't want to see him going. I uh, say you've got a problem with him because when he smashed Ahara Davis, and now that he's smashed a man who wasn't past it, he was only thirty years old, Miguel Vasquez. He's a former. Was he four years? He was lightweight champion, yeah. IBF champion. He's a legitimate fighter with like a handful of losses on his record. What do you do now with Josh Taylor? And these are brilliant, brilliant building fights. But at some point, you have to stop the building and you have to accept that you're in a position now where you should be looking at world titles. And the fact that he's only had 11 fights, that wouldn't put me off. If I was handling him now, I think I've seen enough that says put him in a world title fight. Because I think there's a risk that you'll start to lose some of the fan interest. um, If you... Because how do you go from Miguel Vasquez to somebody else in that weight division that isn't a world title holder and still make it a relevant fight? I think you'll struggle. Um, there's only so many times we can hear the Channel 5 punditry team telling us that it's the biggest test of his career without being for a world title. And he's almost too good for his own good in that in that sense. Um, and so, I, to me, I think you, you have to accept... To me, if I was handling him, I would be looking at world titles now. And even if that meant sending him away, because fuck knows what's going on with Cyclones and the amount of money that they've got or haven't got in the coffers, don't know. If that means that Josh Taylor has to go away and get paid for that world title shot, but he's not in the position, he's not a mandatory for any world titles. And so nobody's going to voluntarily go, yeah, Josh Taylor, come over and uh, How does he and take put some... himself in that position? Well, he's got the WBC silver title uh, that he won <laughs> off of Ahara Davis. So I'd imagine that may be a route that they'll look at going down. Um, you would, because who... There are no threats to the WBC, are there? I don't know what they're ranking. Because Bartholomew is in line for the WBA. You probably want to avoid that. Um, Hooker and Flanagan are locked in. I don't know who's in line for the WBC. It's not Postal. I know that for sure. So that's probably wide open. I, I, to be honest, I think if you're if you're if you're the McGuigans, you're pushing him through every governing body. Yes, because whoever, I wouldn't be bothered by anyone. Whoever's at the top, you're like nah. Even if there's a Broner there somewhere, you're like I don't care. I think he's smash Broner. I think he'd absolutely smash Broner. He there's a beauty to what Taylor does, where he. He takes time to think in the ring, which normally is a bad thing, but he does. The first couple of rounds, he takes time to think. He goes, what's really happening here? And then you'll see him trying things. And he goes, he'll try things, he'll keep them, he'll get rid of them. It's just really weird. It's so methodical. So the first four or five rounds, it was all a bit messy. He got cut. It was all a bit messy. And you're like, I don't know where this is going to go. And I think Alex Arthur was like, look, just, just settle for the points win. But he started to feel Vasquez slowing, tiring, getting frustrated. And he found another gear in round eight and nine and then just stopped him. And he stopped a man. I don't think he'd been stopped before, had he? No. So he hadn't been stopped before. And he's been in with... Every, he's he's fought Canelo twice, granted once on his debut. Yeah. And and I know this will be, contra- this will be a controversial statement to make, but I put him in that Ricky Hatton category of if you beat him, it means you belong at world level. And he's he's overcome that hump. So you have one fight against probably a peer of Vasquez just to reinforce what you've just done. And that, that should boost your rankings. And then you're calling out champions. How old is Josh Taylor? 25. So he's got 
he's got a, a decent future ahead of him. Oh yeah, no, so no. phenomenal. So it's not. I, I I accept the fact that if you're good enough, um, you don't really. You're not looking too far ahead because you just want it now. But he doesn't have to rush things, no. I think the problem is, as I said earlier, that it's not that you're going to lose the momentum of him as a fighter because I think he's he's that good that you've not got a risk of that. You've got more of a, a risk of losing the momentum of the interest. I mean, one of the fights out there that you could aim for is to get Ricky Burns. It's, it, it's an irrelevant fight in a sense that he would hammer Ricky Burns but it's an all-Scotland fight and you'd build that Scottish interest. So there are still some boxing fans. Because he's so under the radar, Ricky Burns, is, I, would take a, I would take a punt, Ricky Burns is a bigger ticket seller in Scotland than Josh Taylor. So is he suffering from the fact that he's too good? Um, well, he's suffering from the fact he's on Channel 5 and they can't really market him. There's a brilliant tweet um, somebody put out yesterday, I can't remember who it was, saying Channel 5 need to start publicizing this man need to start getting him on daytime tv programs primetime evening tv programs so that people start to recognize him and build him so i wouldn't and the reason i say that is i know josh personally he's he's a guy who will say nothing or he will say something if you see what i mean like he's not a guy who can he can't just hit the marks in a TV interview. But you don't even yeah. need to do him on a TV interview. You could build a 30-minute... You know how there was that BBC Cyclones programme where they yeah. followed Shane and Carl? Do that with Josh. But, you know, you can have Barry McGuigan, who's a familiar face, fronting it. You can have him and just have it about Josh Taylor. But you don't really need to focus on Josh Taylor. You can do it on the more saleable commodities around him, such as Barry. Um, but something that makes Josh Taylor familiar to fans because you should be building him because he's a phenomenal talent. But at the moment, I don't know what the viewing figures would have been from Channel 5 last night, but I can't imagine they're that big. Do you think the Channel 5 sometimes worry that if they make him out to be too big, then he'll get taken away from them? I'm sure, I'm that, I'm sure that's part of the thinking. I wonder about the where, 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 where there's some so there's some commercial director going, I am not putting money in Eddie Hearn's pocket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, do you have anything else to talk about? Warren card and Cyclone card ticked off. We're moving on to Matchroom USA, unless either of you two want to talk no, about that. You know, I think that was pretty you know, comprehensive. People say sometimes we miss fights. Not this time. <laughs> Matchroom USA with John God, Miller. fucking versus... horrible, hasn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch it. But hand like... on heart, hand on heart, right? This has been an absolute disaster for Hearn, right? And I don't often say this, but massive shout out to Nesta Gibbs for the setup of the year. I don't think you've ever said that. I know I haven't, but mm. Jesus Christ, Hearn walked into that bear trap. So, so the Boxing Voice, uh, which is a podcast in America. Not as good as ours. Not as good as ours. Um, Nesta Gibbs is an annoying fuck. I've never listened to it before. I know, I know the name. I know all that stuff. But Jesus, like, you don't have to talk over everybody. Everybody who's more relevant than yourself, shut the fuck up when they're talking. Um, I know he listens to this. So. I don't care. Good. Don't give a shit. He um, come over here. We're podcast wars. I know they always talk about fighting people in other countries. and We'll do it. Yeah, hands up. I'll take that. Yep. I don't even I know who he is. Never seen him. Whatever. We're issuing the challenge. We find yeah. out he's six for eight now. <laughs> yeah, he's, no, what's he? Right. Six five. What I he? said before. No, I uh, and he eats a lot of humble pie. So you, yeah. you're knackered, mate. You are. Yeah. So look, fair play to them, though. Brilliant. They managed to get Eddie Hearn on. They managed to get Shelley Finkel on. No, no, no. You got said it get... properly. No, no, you got said it properly. <laughs> so, so they get Hearn on, right? And they get Hearn talking about Wilder. And Hearn starts he talking He gives it the rhetoric. Yeah. So this, how can you be so silly? 
Like, Anthony Joshua's the biggest guy in the world. Does anybody know who Deontay... He, he, basically, he's talking the usual Eddie Hearn, IFL, you know, I'll give this to Kook and I can give it to anyone kind of spiel. Nesta lets him kind of go, gives him, gives him enough rope, just keeps giving him yard after yard of rope. And Hearn keeps building the noose, stops it and goes, I've got Deontay on the phone. The way Hearn's voice changed after that. Like, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was like, it was like you're chatting someone up and their boyfriend shows up. <laughs> and it's Anthony Joshua and you're Amir Khan. And you're like, oh. All right, Deontay. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically, that, that's basically what it was. So, so Hearn All right, had, champ. Hearn had been... <laughs> <laughs> no, so Hearn had been so bullish about, yeah, no one's talked to me about this. We're having to do all the running. We're having to do everything. Deontay comes and goes, that, none of that's true, Eddie. Hits him with some facts and goes, I've got the messages here. So Eddie keeps talking. No, 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 no. It wasn't to you. It was to Shelly Finkel. Keeps talking. Deontay's like, hold on. Shelly Finkel comes on. And everyone knows Shelly Finkel from the Mike Tyson era and even before that. So Shelly Finkel is a big part of the Don King rise to prominence in the late 70s, 80s through to now. And Shelley Finkel represents Deontay Wilder. And there's a great bit where Shelley just, this is, this is why I respect old school people in boxing. Shelley was like, I've dealt with your father. I've dealt with you. You know this fight can get made. If you really wanted to get made, we can make it this week. They can fight right now if you want that. You know, any deal can be made, Eddie. And Eddie was like a little kid again. Like, like you know, when Shelley Finkel had been to the house and Eddie was a kid. <laughs> and Eddie became that child again. Okay. But okay. you know what really, really, really um, fascinated me about it? Shelley Finkel, as you say, old school, just he's on this call and he says, look, we can do this. Contact me. And Hearn's like, yeah, yeah, I'll contact you. He's like, contact me today. Hearn's like, yeah, I'll contact you five minutes. Like, as soon as I'm off this, this call, I'll be uh, I'll be in contact, and then Hearn manages to string out his appearance for like the next <laughs> thirty five minutes while Shelley Finkel's like, right, I'm off now. Then I've done my bit. Gives him all the details and hangs up. Hearn's clearly like, I need to reestablish myself after that. Genius. And then and then there's a point where where Hearn just goes quiet. I think he's having a little sulk. But what elevates this even more? Who is turns Tyson up? Fury <laughs> phones in. Like like you can't make this up. Tyson Fury phones in. And then proceeds to just basically slag off Joshua, tell Wilder, listen, you're not going to cost me my 50 million pound payday. And then those two just have a massive love-in, which was quite nice to yeah, hear. Yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> it's a big love-in. Absolutely brilliant. And that's when you realise that all this shit you're being told about Joshua being the face of boxing. I'm like, it's between these two guys because you would have Fury and Joshua on a settee with a Jonathan Ross. Whether they were fighting each other or being mates, it would just be entertaining because you feel that they could just switch roles so easily. And Joshua would just be sat there like, eh, what do you want me to say? I believe in God and God loves me. Which you know, then straight after this has happened, within a couple of days, Joshua suddenly gets interested on Twitter. Starts mm -hmm. mal malving off at people, saying like, oh, Fury, you fat fuck. And it was just um, shit, wasn't it? It was, it just, was terrible it was banter. terrible. Terrible. Of yeah. all the things you could say you, to Fury. Uh, Fury, uh, he... <laughs> You fat fuck. I, oh, come on, man. Like, so, mate, who did you tell to press send on that? <laughs> you see, well, at least you're doing Freddy, something. Freddie, Freddie, it's AJ, yeah? Get, get the phone I left on the coffee table and there's some drafts. Just put send on them. They're well funny, yeah? 
fucking hilarious. But yeah. it's straight after you've had the, the personality shine through of a Fury and a Wilder, you then get Joshua trying to establish himself. It just didn't work. Mix. Didn't work. And, and it's getting to that point now where I think AJ is beginning to realise if he can't do the trash talking, they're going to run rings around him. And these aren't guys that he can just look at and go, I'm going to beat you up. Because I think Joshua's genuinely intimidated by Wilder. Because At the very least, he should be on an entertainment level, which is, let's face it, at least a percentage value of, of top-level yeah. boxing. Because you know what? Here's what happens. And I know this from talking to boxers. If you've got a rival and your rival knocks out someone easily, you're there going, I didn't expect that. And you're, you have to then rebase your whole calculus of who this person is. And, and so AJ was probably looking for a weakness in that fight. Wilder gave him nothing to go off. So you become even more intimidated. Not scared, just like, oh, this might be a real fight after all. And so, I mean, I don't know what Josh is doing in Dubai. Probably just, you know I mean, taking barrel loads of those shakes money with him just to do these appearances and get paid a shitload of money. And then complain about too many commercial uh, agreements. <sighs> the long and short of it is, up his time. the pressure seems to be coming from Wilder's side, cranking up and up, like, let's get this money. I, I think the problem is, look, Joshua can continue to make lots of money without needing to fight Wilder. How much money is Wilder making without fighting Joshua? You know, it's not going to be in the same echelons. Um, so it makes more sense for Wilder and Co to start pushing for that fight financially than it does for Joshua. I'm sure Joshua would be happy picking up four or five million a fight for taking on a Pulev next. Or, yeah, <laughs> he's probably happier to string the process out financially. Well, his team will be. I, look, hand on heart, I think if money was no object, Joshua would fight him tomorrow. Yeah. No, I agree. I think there are other people getting in the way, and this is going to come into a topic we'll touch on later on. But if you if you were right, based on uh, I'm right. Terry, you were saying <laughs> he's carrying injuries, right? And if and if again you're right, you're saying that his body will break down. Then there's people in or around him that know obviously a lot more about his physicality at the moment that are looking at him and going, "It's not going to last forever." So their incentive surely is to. Definitely get this at least at one point. Nah, at some you, point. you need to, if you can look at him and say you've got three years left, you don't want to take Wilder now because you damage the name. You want to take him in three years where, look, if there's a risk that he's going to lose it because he breaks down, you don't want to do that now. You want to do it at the end. You'd, you'd want this to be your cash out fight. Mm. But the way the timings are going, that's not going to be allowed. The, Can the, you the, see you Fury Wilder getting made if you before yet. AJ comes into picture? There, there, I realise Fury not yet. There but isn't the momentum for could it. Could that happen behind this? Like there isn't the momentum for it because if you look yeah. at Fury, all roads lead to AJ. Yeah, right they now. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All roads lead to AJ. And it's just about who goes first. I just want someone to force his hand to make him well, fight. Well, force you know AJ's what? Hand. You know what? For all this, it'll be Fury, and I tell you why. Fury needs one fight. Yeah, he needs one fight against someone like a Hammer or or a Pulev, and he's back at number. He's the, he's the mandatory because remember he's he hasn't lost. So these governing bodies who who are seeing what the Furies have done to UCAD are going. We don't want these guys coming after us. We kind of need to put him somewhere that reflects his status in the sport. After all this, it'll be Joseph Parker that will force his hand, <laughs> oh, and we'll go. Oh God, he will be, won't it? <laughs> Joshua's manager followed me on Twitter this week so uh, better be careful what I say did he just press the wrong button (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> probably stalking what shit I've tweeted about him over the years. I think he got a voicemail. Freddy, <laughs> you know who this is. <laughs> Dubai's live, yeah, but you're in the office here. <laughs> um, Listen, there's this guy, yeah, Tartan Meobold. Yeah. Because like Joshua's blocked me on Twitter anyway, you don't know. Yeah, me. I blocked the prick. You follow him, yeah, tell me what he says. Yeah, heard he's fucking with this Goodwin guy, yeah. Yeah, Goodwin good, good wouldn't promote my, my little cousin Ben in Liemi, yeah. I don't care about Goodwin no more, man. <laughs> so I don't go York Hall. Fuck it. Yeah, follow that guy, yeah. Tell me what he says. If he says any nonsense, yeah, him him and that friend of his, what's that, Andy Black, yeah, slap him silly. Okay, right, let's move on. Um, so to actually talk about the the card, the match from oh. USA card, Gerald Miller, uh, Gerald Miller for... Marius Wack? Vack. No, let's Vac. just do it in Vac. reverse order. Conor Ben put his foot through an empty shoebox again. <laughs> well, I was kind of <laughs> expecting that. So, no real surprise. But I we're being American told this skill. was the hardest fight. Like, well, it might have been. <laughs> no, it wasn't, because you look at the guy's record, and it's probably his easiest fight. Oh. Just a shambles. Like, why does Conor Ben get flown to America? Again, I'm going to use the Joe Cordina example. I'm going to use the... Um, the Craig Richards prior to Frank Buglioni where he got shafted at, at York Hall and had to go and fucking refund his own ticket stood outside all these people and then you've got Conor Ben and Conor Ben's been flown to America and being used on their debut show over there ah. look boxing fans never ask these questions and they probably don't care but you have Conor Ben at 147 being matchrooms almost marquee welterweight now and you've got Chris Congo just fucking jobbing around at your call on a Friday night. Like, in what universe is that fail? Does that make <laughs> any kind of sense? That's so true. You're there. You, you know, it's like, remember at school you had to pick teams for football? And you're there, you're like, right, I've got this kid who's had trials with Crystal Palace, right? <laughs> or, this, or this large lump of kid who doesn't even play football. But he happens to be Matt Letizia's son. Not even that, he's just fat and useless and he's just there eating an ice cream going, I don't even want to play. And you're like, I'm not going to pick this kid who's awesome. I want to pick him and hope that I can motivate him to play. And you're like, no. You know, Chris Congo was good out the box. But as I've said before, I think Hearn has an issue with promoting South London fighters. And that kind of leads you to go, well... You know, this this favoritism towards East London and Essex will do him down in the long run because that's where everyone's going. <clears throat> Shouts out to MTK Global. They're building a presence there. If Hearn's going to focus on this area, everyone else is because that's what, clearly where the money is. Uh, Robert Martin asks, after Chris Congo's clinical display on Friday night, how far do you think he can go? Noticed him and Taylor were sparring partners. Uh, and both put their opponents away with the same shot. You'd pay to watch that sparring. That's that's elite level sparring. That's that's like, uh, who was it? There was a fight. It was Demarcus Corley against someone, where they literally were. It was so cagey they just froze in the middle of the ring. It was Junior Witter. Was it? Yeah, it was Junior Witter versus Demarcus Corley. God, I hope I'm right. If I get corrected, this will be embarrassing. And honestly, like they get to the ring, and they get in their fight stances, and they just freeze. As God is my judge, they freeze. And then all you see then is just this cagey kind of jab, catch, jab, catch. And I can imagine that's what it was because both of those guys have higher order skills, 
higher order skills, super talented, and they're both very tall at the weight. So I think that would have been excellent sparring. I think Chris Congo on the right platform is a star and it's not for long till he smashes pieces out of Sam Eggington. But shout out to Mo Prime, British Warriors, looking after him. Uh, Danny Jacobs fought Arius. Yeah. I don't care. Turgid, boring, took longer than it should have. Danny Jacobs, Eddie Hearn's hoping for something. What was it, like 118, (sighs) 110 across the board That's an important fight. It's it's not what Danny Jacobs needs. Like Danny Jacobs should have been in there with someone like a Curtis Stevens. But as I've said before, Hearn can't get those opponents because no promoter is going to let them go. But Arius has got banter. Arius was able to bring it at the press conference and like talk himself up. And then Hearn goes, oh, I didn't know he was like that. That happened to just turn up as a bit of a bonus. Bullshit. Bullshit. Like he's used, how many times have we seen him over here get woeful opponents, but those woeful opponents can talk a good game in the build up to the fight. That's exactly what Arias was about. He was able to talk a good game, build up the hype and the, how many times they just talk shit about, John David Jackson, storied trainer, John David Jackson. Just on a side note, right? Things that these Sky broadcasters need to stop fucking saying. Number one, if an opponent can defend himself, do not call him awkward. Well, like, what the fuck do you expect him to do? Because, you know, it is, it is, someone's got their hands up and they step back. Ah, oh, he's awkward. He's awkward. He's awkward. And the other one is, Oh, just un- undefeated, undefeated middleweight. You're like, for fuck's sake. Yep. You know, we've we've seen the record. We know what he is. And they need to stop all of this. Another one. What's the other one? Crossroads. <laughs> no, no fight involving a match and fight is ever a crossroads <laughs> fight. Is it? It's not. <laughs> it's, it is, and and sorry, sorry to say that, Andy, but it's to say the broadcast was littered with all of these words. Arius is awkward. He's been in good company. Yeah, he's this. John David Jackson's done this. He's done that. Really, Arius is toilet. He's trash. He's garbage. Danny Jacobs is leagues above him. Welcome Sh- to Matchroom. T- yeah. <laughs> in case you were wondering over here, like, oh no, are the Americans going to get a better product than we've got? Nope. Nope. And they kept saying New York. It wasn't New York. It was in fucking Long Island. It was in New York State, which is like saying Milton Keynes is in London. Like London Luton Airport. Yeah. yeah. It's an absolute joke. It was it was it was a horrible fight. I don't think we learned anything new from Danny Jacobs that the Golovkin fight didn't show us. Where do you take him next? I they'll probably just start banging the drum for Billy Joe Saunders. That that's the only place you can take this. If you haven't watched it, don't bother. What a right. terrible debut but, show. And also I love Danny Jacobs for the record. I, I think his story is great. I think him as a personality is great. You know, you have some concerns about who he's got in his training camp as regards clean boxing. Yeah. But for those who don't know, Danny Jacobs, a cancer survivor. Um, so there's a, a hell of a backstory about it. They're, they're notorious for then, you know, embracing. Yes, exactly. What I was coming on to, um, you know, we don't want to hear a Lance Armstrong story out of this in a few years. Uh, Miller versus Marius Vac. Um, Vach, Vach. Bullshit. Just, just tie it I mean, up. This is another imagine one. you say you've just Big, shit all over this entire card. Big baby Miller turns up. Just let's just finish it off. Two hundred and forty-eight pounds. Two hundred and eighty-three. Sorry, two hundred and eighty. I've got my numbers the wrong way round. Sorry, I've done a disservice there. Fat Twenty fuck. stone, six pounds or something. Wow. This is Joshua will be tweeting. It's embarrassing. The guy wow. shows up fat, has no power in either hand. Like, if you took Dillian White 
and sat him in Nando's. Then took him to Rodithio Rico for all-you-can-eat steak. Then took him to TGI Fridays and finished off at Casper's. What was that place you said all-you-can-eat steak? Rodithio Rico. Have you heard of this place? No, never I heard of it. The Brazilian all-you-can-eat steak. No, Where I is have it? not heard of this place. Mate, this is a chain. They're all over the show. Never heard of it. In London, presumably. I'm sure they're everywhere. Is this the place where you have the little thing and you turn it upside down? Yes, red and green. Yeah. Oh, I had one of those in Mexico, my honeymoon. No, well, well, they're great. Oh, my God. Apart from you plough in, like... For the first 20 minutes, you're like, big man. Yeah, come yeah. on, mate. I'll have, I'll have four of them. <laughs> Three <I'll>... of them. <laughs> it's like Andy and all you can eat I'll prostitute then. Take... <laughs> I'm going to take you all on. Then within like 10 minutes, you're sat there like turning that card over, sweating, yeah. running for toilets. It's... And, and Joel Miller's like, warm up's done. <laughs> so, no, so basically, Let's go to the waiting. Yeah. So, so basically, like you've got, you've got Marius back who, who's shot. And he's probably just shot from being battered by David Hay, <laughs> inspiring. And, you know, just basically taking a shellacking off everyone. He is a sparring partner, Vag. He's yeah. a sparring partner. That's, That's what, what he is. what he is. And Miller couldn't get rid of him quickly enough for my liking. So he's just another Dillian White. Stick him in a fight together, win against Tesora, and just whatever. Now nah, we're going to get Joshua Miller, I reckon. Bank it. Bank it. <sighs> well, that sounds exciting. Um, let's move on then. Matchroom USA... Shit on, but more on to more exciting topics. Amir Khan's going into I'm a celebrity. Good, I like Amir Khan. Like Amir Khan is the Charles Martin of the welterweight division. Like he can just do what he wants. Will he have access to Skype whilst he's there? Do you think? Well, maybe 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 he's going to Skype his wife and see her getting smashed by uh... your ghost. (laughs) He's just ghost. I can't get sued by saying ghost. What, what's that little shed that they're going to to talk to the camera? He might just, he, he might forget what that's for. Oh, <laughs> no. He just goes into autopilot. Just sat there going, because he's a small guy, you just think, oh, that's a webcam. Cool. <laughs> Do you reckon the next person goes in there, like having to wipe the little camera? Ah. He walks in and goes, uh, yeah, the day's been a bit tough. Um, uh, what was I talking Oh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's the shit. <laughs> Talk dirty to me on the end of that. Ask me dirty questions. <laughs> um, Who else was going in? Do we care about this? I don't care. Much more? Yeah. I hope John Terry for uh, Amir Khan's. No, purposes. John Terry's with Anthony Joshua in Dubai. Is he? Yeah. He's there. On, on, he had a pair of crutches on. He's so, there. wait a minute. Amir Khan's going to a jungle while John Terry and Anthony Joshua are pairing up. <laughs> Plotting. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Getting tips. You know, wow. you, know, you know John Terry's there and he's like, so, so how many times did you shag his wife? Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, I did double that with Bridge. Mm. Now, nah, come on, AJ. Yeah. They're like, so where's Amir Khan? He's in the... Jungle. Right, brilliant. Let's go home. Can I get involved? Yeah, so- Can I get involved, AJ? John, yeah. You John? You John or you Terry? Yeah? You're confusing the shit out of me. <laughs> The fuck is your name? <laughs> um, we've covered the StubHub. Do you want to talk any more about that? No, not at all. No. Not legally. Do you think Eddie is cashing out on a co-leaver against Chamberlain because he signed to AJ and thinks, fuck him, I'll promote Isaac now when he gets smashed and exposed as proper shit? Hell Robert fucking Martin. no. Um, look, I've, I think I've had various threads of the story from about six or seven different sources this whole week, right? I've spoken to both guys directly and indirectly, and I always say the golden rule in this boxing business is 
if you're making money with a guy, you need to build him up. Yeah? If, if, if me and Andy are going to have a fight and there's money at stake, I want that number to be as big as possible. So I'm going to say, listen, Andy's great. I want him to do well. I want him to win. I want him to do this. I want him to do that. I want to know what round to take a dive in because I'm doing that <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so that's what you expect. But what's happened here is, and there's no one in the right, there's no one in the wrong. Yeah, there's talk that's happened. There's talk directly between the two guys via Twitter when they see each other. There's talk between the two camps. And it's essentially. So let's, let's add some yeah. color to this because Friday night they're both at a show at York Hall. Oh, no, no, you got to go back before that. There, there's, that's what I mean. There's a story before that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, the, yeah. the reason why it's being asked now. Ah. So, so I get a phone call and it's, you know, why is your guy check shit? Uh, understood. So I hear, I hear. I hear the Okoli side of the story. They want the fight. There's proof that they want the fight. Well, okay, cool. And I, then I'm hearing Isaac doesn't want the fight. Then I'm hearing the Brixton guys telling me Isaac wants the fight. Okoli doesn't want the fight. I'm like, this can't be right because I believe both men would fight each other. There's nothing, there's nothing that they are scared of about each other. The guys in the middle are the guys stoking this and delaying it because... There are people here who stand to make money who aren't the fighters. So they want the biggest number possible. I heard people talking about this fight should be a half a million pound fight. And I thought, like, what the fuck? And so, so this is why this, this situation is dragged out. They need to just fight each other. Winner goes one way, loser goes the other. Build themselves up, rematch. That's really what it is. But all of this tension comes to a head on Friday. I think the Coley camp were like, Isaac's going to be at York Hall. We're going to York Hall to talk it out. And I don't know if anyone's, if you guys saw the video, but one of the things that surprised me was how intense Lawrence was. He looked like a man who was like, I'm done talking. <clears throat> Isaac looked like he could still, you know, wind him up a bit, but Lawrence looked like he was just done talking and he just wanted to get in that ring. And I think that's where we are now. I think Hearns now realized that this is the time to do this fight before it, we lose interest. If you allow it to go on as well, then I think there's a risk that, you know, they're from, <laughs> they're from areas whereby they're going to cross over. It shows they're going to cross over outside of shows. Um, you need to be legitimizing that fight before that fight happens somewhere away from the cameras. Um, but yeah, they, they clash at uh, a York Hall Friday night. And then Hearn comes out and says that he thinks he'll put it on February at the O2. February at the O2 is where, in theory, you're going to have um, uh, White versus Wilder, in theory, because that's uh, what's been penciled in. We shall see. I think before that, Hearn wants both of them to get a run out on what's meant to be Bellew versus Hay. Um, I, think, I think one will do one, one will do next gen. Yeah, I think you're going to keep them apart. As much as it would be good to have them on the same card and build it again, I think everybody's sensible enough to realise that maybe not... You don't want the camps to bump Not in this scenario other. being the best idea. Like, tell one of them to stay away and the other one's going to fight and then reverse those roles next time round. But 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 it, it, it's interesting. I guess this is one of these things that, that is almost... It's a microcosm of what generally happens in boxing where the fighters will do whatever they need to do. And it's the guys in the middle that tend to interfere in that process. And that's the frustration here. You know, give both men their due. They will fight. I don't think anyone is nervous of anyone in this situation. It's just, 
you know, tell us when the fight's on and we'll do it. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me a little bit. I was saying earlier about that Josh Leather Glen foot fight from uh, last night. Like two local lads, I think one's from Sunderland, one from Middlesbrough, um, which geographically up in the northeast is relatively local um, for big cities. They would like, there's a lot of spite in the build up to that. And they get in the ring and the first few rounds, they're just like, they're yapping away at each other all the way through it. So like that dislike wasn't to build the fight up. It was genuine. And like, they were fucking mouthing, mouthing, mouthing all the way through until Glenn Foote just runs in with his <laughs> lead right hand, just pounces, bang, puts leather on his ass. And he sat there like, wow. Like At that point, he shut up quite a lot until about round nine, round 10. <laughs> he suddenly lost the ability to, to talk... Uh, such creative <laughs> language to uh, to foot. I think he'd, he'd learn the respect. Something Got like to. that is likely to happen in in Chamberlain versus Akoli. Yeah, ex ABA champion. Not well. No, he was a runner up, wasn't he? Champion. He was a runner up in yeah. 2010. I, I suspect you're going to see a lot of chirping off before and. But they've done the gloves are off already. Yes. <laughs> Oddly, it, it, you know they're going to have to redo it because I think the temperature is so high now that I want I want I want the fresh take on it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't want the old one. I don't want, I don't want Johnny Nelson there. I want Max Kellerman there. That's the sort of thing we need. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hopefully, all being well, we'll be able to get maybe one of them uh, to come onto the podcast sometime soon as well. Get both on the couch. <laughs> uh, Tony Chambers asks, if Saunders beats Lemieux, can a deal be done between Hearn and Warren for a Jacobs fight? Also, this is to tie up a few things. Also, has Frank lost interest in women's boxing already? And where is Nicola Adams? All right, so Saunders Lemieux spoke about it earlier. I genuinely believe that this Matchroom USA stuff is going to be an ill-fated attempt. And I think in 12 months' time, it'll probably be something that everybody's forgotten about. Next Gen Um, USA. Yeah, it's basically like, I I don't see that they can make this work. I might be miles off. Might be absolutely miles off. Uh, if he has got Jacobs under some form of promotional contract, I wouldn't be surprised if he just let Jacobs come over and fight um, Billy Joe Saunders. And do you know what? Just let him come over. If he goes back to America with the belt, then brilliant. Maybe you can start again with his matchroom USA. But at the moment, you're trying to build... You're a new promoter on the block trying to build a product without a world champion. I think you need to take a punt with um, with Danny Jacobs. Let him come over. See if he can beat Saunders. And if he does, then you start again do with the USA. Can? I think he can. Yeah. I, I just think Frank will go, no. Well, look, once we beat Lemieux, we want the winner of Triple G versus Canelo. Or if we can't get the win, we'll fight whoever next year. We'll fight one of those two next year. Because that's a, that's always been Frank's direction of we want more belts. So I don't think Jacobs is just an irritant and there's no he won't be ranked high enough yet. So Eddie will just do what he normally does, make noise. You know, the same thing that Wilder did and Eddie was unhappy about, Eddie will then do and go, yeah, yeah, you know, why won't you fight him? And then, you know, Frank will go, but no one knows Danny Jacobs in the UK. And then eventually he'll just offer Dillian White. Get through Dillian White and you can have Danny Jacobs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Boxing Madman asks, who has a bigger future, Gorman, Dubois or Huey Fury? I I am going to gamble here that you're both going to say Dubois. I don't know. Um, certainly not Gorman for me. Huey Fury's already got a fairly uh, reasonable present. Dubois the unknown quantity out of it. Um, you almost want to stick Dubois in with Huey. Yeah, you, that's what you want to see almost now. Yeah. Uh, 12 months time, certainly. But, you know, when when they've all retired and they look back at their careers, I think Dubois is probably the most likely to have held world titles for longest periods of time. 
Okay, interesting. Um, who is your prospect of the year for 2017 so far? So I'm assuming that's who's made the most progress this year. Yeah, by that benchmark is Josh Taylor because Josh Taylor was a bag of potential in January. We're now looking at him like potential world champion in November. Uh, prospect to watch out for in 2018? Max Dadashev. Donny Donchev. <laughs> <laughs> you two and your... <laughs> Your no, honestly strange Donny far-flung boxers. So the, honestly, Donny so for me, Donchev. I'm trying to think. Maxim Dadashev is I think he's a welterweight. Just like he's in that phase of knocking out bums, but it's the way that he's doing it. It's just it's horrendous power that you're looking at. You're like, if that carries up the division, it'll be that typical Eastern European thing of just. Just smashing people, you know, like like a mini Baturbiev, just smashing people to pieces. Oh, we haven't touched on Baturbiev. He beat Eric Curley to win a title. Wasn't that impressive? To me, it looked like he ran out of ideas. Once someone could stand up to a few of his shots and could move, that power that was there wasn't there before. <clears throat> I know people go, what next for Baturbiev? So, fuck it. Let him fight, let him fight Kovalev. Let these guys make some proper money. Bivol. Whatever. Any of them. Just throw yeah. them all in together. Do what they've done with the World Boxing Super Series, but for light heavyweights. Yeah, it's lumping more um, in. That, uh, it's that Russia's question, toughest man. That prospect question was from Niall Durant. Thank you very yeah. much, um, No, mine's going with Linus Eudofia. Just because I love Linus Eudofia. Like, he's going to be under the radar to most people if they don't listen to us. Um, I genuinely think that lad's British title level coming up. Um, I think we'll see an English champion by the end of next year. Just keep an eye out. If we're putting UK guys in, can I just throw Chris Congo in there then? Yeah. No, I mean, for that one, I'm just taking it um, locally rather than internationally. Um, I love Linus Udofia. Top, top prospect. I don't know. Can, can, I, can we put Umar as a pro? Oh, I always feel weird yeah, he's only had one professional fight. You, I, can... no, you always forget that. I always think that Umar's been doing this for like 10 years. But yeah. put Umar in there as well. Umar Sadiq. Okay, final question before we get on to our last point. Uh, Ricky Wright uh, again asks, also in which order did you rate the platforms that show boxing from first to last out of Sky, BT, Box Nation, Channel 5, Dave, ITV and YouTube? And shout out to Ricky Wright as well, man. The guy's a uh, an MC, registered uh, British Boxing Board of Control MC. So if you ever need an MC for an event, get on to uh, Ricky Wright. Or a rave. Or Ray B also does loads of other events as well. So you ever want somebody to like turn up weddings, bar mitzvahs, etc. Get on to Ricky Wright. He does uh, loads of stuff on social media. He's out and about. Really good man. So yeah, give him a shout if you ever need him. If you ever need an MC. Right. So let's. Uh, What's the question? I let's forgot. just indulge him. Right. Right. Um, Sky, BT, Box Nation, Channel Five, Dave, ITV, and YouTube. We've got seven to put in order there. Right. Bottom YouTube. Um, if we're talking about. You know, if we're talking about big time boxing, so I'm not talking about local shows streaming their events. That's very different yeah. to um, nobody watching Huey Fury versus Joseph Parker. I don't know how anyone. There's probably only 500 people in the UK that can tell us what that was like based upon the <laughs> the sales figures. Um, so, so YouTube as much is seventh. As, as much as I'm criticising it, it's going bottom of the pile, and I've never seen it. What's more obvious, number one or number six? <laughs> Um, if we can do if we can go seven to one that's the best way top of it yes, it's, it's still Sky it's got to be Sky hasn't it really like they product wise 
Um, Dare I say that he's actually ranked them in order? Sky, BT, Box Nation, Channel 5, Dave, ITV, <laughs> and YouTube. No, Dave was shit. Dave can go second bottom. Yeah. <laughs> they get him written off. Um, at the top ones, I mean, BT are still building a product and they almost feel bad judging them at this point. Um, albeit well, they did say judge them actually no fuck put it put them second are we talking it's... product as in how it aesthetically looks or what they're delivering in terms of um... well it says in which order do you rate them so I guess it's your viewing uh, your viewing uh, yeah I'm with you I'm with that. you right. know, like... so what two and a half weeks ago BT Box Nation Frank Warren whoever going to do it hold a press conference saying about signing um, James DeGale and Lee Selby we all get excited about it they tell us that there's going to be opponents announced within the week that's two and a half weeks ago we still don't know who they're fighting on December the 9th so fuck it they can go down the list now I've had enough of that BT and Box Nation right so you've only got D- Channel 5 so do they go after Sky by proxy of the fact that I've used everybody else <laughs> Uh, so congratulations Channel 5 you are second um, BT and Box Nation which one is the worst nah fuck they put them below YouTube as well who BT Box Nation <laughs> it's not really fair to, but I'm going to put them at the bottom for personal reasons basically Ricky out of the seven pl- places all of them except for Sky are in seventh position it goes first and then nah, Channel, I've got se- nothing against Channel 5 I quite like theirs it so feels Sky a bit- number one Channel 5 Channel 5 two. feels quite homely when you're watching it do you know what I mean like it's not all the bells and whistles but it also doesn't look too cheap I just quite like the product so we say, do we say that BT, Box Nation, Dave, ITV, and YouTube are all tied for seventh position? Yeah, it can all get relegated. Which one was Richie Woodall on? I heard all of them. On. He's on all yeah. of them. Right, okay, let's move on. Uh, final point before uh, any other business, and that is David Hay is potentially injured. No surprise. Um, look, you're a 37-year-old man who pops his Achilles. For me, I think you've got to take at least a year, maybe 15 months out to let that heal and get used to the stresses and strains. I sense that he will tell us that everything's fine and he'll go through with the fight. If it goes again or if it goes seriously, that will be the last you see of David Hay in the ring. He'll turn up. You know, um, what's the Monty Python film where the knight gets all of his limbs chopped off? The Black Knight, yeah, the Holy Grail. And then he's just, at the end, he's just a body and a head, just on the ground. Come in, I'll bite your legs off. That is what David Hay would do to make the money out of this pay-per-view. I've no doubt whatsoever. Like, he will turn up broken, if required, and go one round and get knocked out by Tony Bellew. I think he values money over pride. The thing I don't like about this the most is he doesn't realise the monster he's creating by legitimising, effectively, but he does that by <laughs> legitimising value. But word is, if if Hay does pull out, apparently Dillian White is the uh, the substitute to roll in. He's a Carlos Takam in this situation. I wouldn't be... I, I, there is a part of me that, look, even based on rumours that Hay might be injured and given the last fight, I'd actually probably prefer to see Dillian White versus Bellew. Yeah, look at look at the, the timeline and the narrative... You start to see Dillian White and Tony Bell. You have interchanges over social media, saying about I'm blocked by both. I've missed <laughs> all of this. Saying about they hate each other, and yeah, you're a bum, and you're a bum. So look, there's already if Hay does pull out, then Sky can already give it. Look, this is a personal rivalry. This is as good, if not better. You can already hear the Johnny Nelson quotes. 
Yeah, Dillian White might be the strongest heavyweight in history. He's the modern day Sonny Liston. Like that, that stuff will come out. We're all laughing, but that's the sort of trash that will come out. Yes. Yes. But look, let's be honest, right? We are in the final embers of the David Hay era. It's is sad to watch yeah, it that'll, unfold that'll this break way. John Wiles heart. It, look, <laughs> if he even listens anymore, no, no, he I does. think he might have. No, he <laughs> does. doesn't I, contribute I, anymore. No, I, love I wonder John, if he's. John, John I wonder Brilliant. if he's been turned off by the loving we had so many times. No, well, look, he, uh, I'll be honest. Like sometimes you got to lay your biases out. I was disappointed that David didn't make good on some of the promises he made. Ooh, say what? And as this is a little nail emoji in it. <laughs> No, and, and, and as such, you know, a few young prospects didn't get their opportunity that they deserved and in their stead when people who I don't think are as good. But you suck it up and you move on. He's still a man that has to feed a family. He's got a, he's got a kid. You know I mean? The man lives in a hotel. This is not the best of any possible world. So there's a de- degree of sympathy there. But you've got to know when your time is up in this game, man. Like, he's he, he's the last to know what can you do I would say this in the event that that, if that fight is cancelled let's all lobby for us to become the main event and just move our podcast to that Sunday live <laughs> in the O2 20,000 people you can ask us any questions you like we've got Andy running around the arena with a microphone <laughs> <laughs> but no in terms of David look if he's injured fuck it he's injured and he it, still it, fights it's on him to get in shape to fight if he lets himself down, he lets himself down. But Jesus, man, like, why don't you just rest? That Bellew fight was always there for him. But here's the point, right? He was injured for that first fight. It's not as if that Achilles injury came, came out, out of nowhere. Blue, yeah. It's not yeah. like he didn't know there was a problem with it. He knew there was a problem with it, but took a punt that he could get Bellew out of there early enough. He'll still, like, if that Achilles is exactly the same problem, he'll still go into that fight. Even if his ring walk has to be done in a wheelchair, we'll still see him enter that ring. I've no doubt. Painful. Okay, uh, Terry, do you have a 15-minute monologue? Or? Yep, okay. I do. All right, go for it then. Um, first thing, what the hell's happened to Daryl Williams? Frank Warren needs to tell us when Daryl's fighting next and why he hasn't got a plan for him. I mean, Daryl gave us two reasonably good fights. I think if you average out the, the two Jermaine Smile fights, you're pretty reasonable with, with, with the outcome and generally the, the quality of those fights. He deserves something at a John Ryder level. Um, I think Rocky Field has probably moved on a bit. I'd ask him, but he's blocked me. Well, Daryl or Frank? No, Frank. I've got some emails. So. <laughs> and some letters. Yeah. No, so... So we intrigued to know what's happened to Daryl because I think his career has stalled unfairly. Um, Got to say good luck to Sam Smith on the 18th. She fights on the Kieran Farrell show in Manchester. Here's a female boxer who's taking, I think it's two coach loads of fans from Leeds to Manchester, in addition to the people who are making their own way there. Like, that's someone who's built up a following organically like that's impressive male or female if you're a boxer you can fight away from home and you can take two coach loads i mean steve would love that right if someone came from late and buzzer with two coach loads 100 percent. yeah so so sam's killing it already i mean we, we call this the real debut so good luck to her oh yeah she had a maltese license before didn't she yeah and less said about it <laughs> and then listen 
Shannon Courtney doing the, the, the Lonsdale thing, the photo shoots. Andy, if you're into that sort of thing, go and find the pictures of the Lonsdale photo shoot. With I'm a big Courtney. fan of Shannon Courtney. Yeah, so she's... I'm suddenly interested in photo shoots of Lonsdale. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love no, Lonsdale. Yeah, class, good boxer, and I, I, I like her because she's seeing what's happening in the pros, and she just said, "No, let me take my time to learn my craft in the amateurs. The pros will be there when I get there. Don't worry." And then, um, look, let, let, just want to shine some light on the kid Dan Aziz. Um, when, when I look at amateurs moving from amateur to pro, the thing I get excited about is guys who hit hard. Um, Dan Aziz hits hard. And in 10-ounce gloves, a lot of people are going to be in a shitload of trouble. So I'm intrigued to see what he does in the pros. Um, got to shout out the young guy that I used to train, kid called Jermaine Brown, who's gone pro with Adam Martin. Um, Jermaine, absolutely class amateur, came from the same stock as Zach Chelly. Uh, you know, so be good to see if they can rekindle their rival their rivalry in the pros as well. But Jermaine's a great kid with a great future ahead of him. You know, not one to talk about just yet. Give him a year, year and a half to bed in. But you know, I mean he's a class act as well. I don't know how Kurt Garvey they even know how Kurt Garvey got on on the weekend. It didn't happen. He got injured. Oh wow. <clears throat> he oh, pulled wow. out about three days before against Sam Smith. Oh not wow. the female Sam Smith, the male one. Well the singer? <laughs> we could just keep going um, Andy stood up because he's, he's getting antsy he just wants to edit this and get it out there so Andy yeah, are you going to make like a commitment that. on how long it's going to take well, when are people going to hear it when's it going to be on the streets Andy are you going to get that product out there tonight probably well in the next hour well tonight means nothing to people that listen to on a Thursday brother well I don't know why you're asking me the question then it's, it's entirely relevant <laughs> they'll hear it when they hear it <laughs> <laughs> You've been told. <laughs> right, I'm done. You'll hear it when you hear it. Yeah. Right, okay. Uh, thank you very, very much for listening. You're um, broadcasting this podcast is never a chore. Listening to Terry's rants, mm, I remain no comment. <laughs> Screw you. No, no, I'm not having that, right? But also more importantly, and I hope the fans realise, right, and I might be speaking for myself or all three of us, if you look, we're all hitting that point of boxing fatigue. Like, there's just been so much, so quickly that, and I think saturation. Yeah, I think Martin and I are away next week, so we get a weekend off. Yes, we, we're all taking a weekend off. So good luck yeah, to because good, frankly, good, the yeah. listeners knew that as soon as they heard that you two were having a week off, they're like, "Well, we're not going to listen to Andy." <laughs> somebody <laughs> fought somebody. I don't know. I didn't see it. Um, yeah. On another card. Yeah. So good luck to Carl Frampton. Good luck to Conrad Cummings and whoever else is fighting on that card. I probably won't watch it. Carl did well. He really sucked his jab. You saw a lot of his old skills come out. <laughs> um, Conrad's rebuilding. So what's next for Conrad? I think he's going to be looking at the WBO title <laughs> or Billy Joe Saunders. Save your podcast. Done. Mm. But please leave iTunes reviews because I really enjoy reading them. There was one this week from Cy Thompson, was yes, it? Yes, brilliant. Uh, brilliant review. Told us what we do right, what we do wrong. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, and so please, like, give us your feedback on iTunes because I really like. If nothing else, yes, it does help us as a podcast up the rankings. But look, I enjoy hearing what people think about what we say and what can we do better and what yeah. can we carry on doing. And also, tell us what you want to see on the 18th because I think with the podcast is easy, right? We just throw it out there. But once you start paying money, I think it gives you guys expectations. And what I don't want to be is 
I don't want to be the object of criticism. I, I don't want to be podcasted about in the way that <laughs> I slag everyone else off. So look, we want all of that feedback and that input so we know what we set up for the 18th. Because if not, you're just yeah. getting this for exactly. like two and a bit hours, which is fine by us. Yeah. Well, so now all feedback is welcome. They'll get the panel. They will they? get the panel. They'll get to do live Q&A, right? So here's the thing. I've already got in my car um, a load of a little... dead body. <laughs> Frank, <laughs> and I'm not talking Bruno. <laughs> I've got a load of flashcards, a load of biros. So we'll be giving those out to people so they can submit live questions. So we'll pick those up at the end. Um, but yeah, we'll be doing a review of um, whatever happens the day before. Probably Tony Bell, Dillian White. Mm. <laughs> if um, there's no boxing, we'll just do the football. <laughs> um, so yeah, look. yeah. Ultimately, let us know what you. Those of you that are attending on the live show, let us know what you what you expect. If you're not attending, and give you, us your ticket number, yeah, because that's how we'll know it's authentic. Still, feel free to chip in because, like, if this goes well and people and we meet people's expectations, like, I'm not making any promises because I haven't discussed it with the other two guys, but we might may, may do another one in the future. A lot, the O2. Of pe- yeah, a lot. Uh, of just to say that said. Andy's put a deposit on the O2 <laughs> for April. No, he's put it on for uh, December the seventeenth, just in case. <laughs> Hey, Bell, you fools out. We've yeah. got the second shout on it. Um, no, but we did look at the Curzon Cinema in Mayfair. So Did we? Yeah, we I did. didn't. I did. All right. Fair play. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. It's nice. nice. Right, let's get out of here. There, We're yeah, chatting. Okay. Thank you very, very Rambling. much for listening. Get in touch at New Age Boxing UK, at The Seven Wolves, and if you feel so inclined, at New Age Podfather. Uh, and at least two of those will get back to you. And I think that wraps us up. Thank you very, very much for those people that did buy li- uh, tickets for a live show. Commiserations to those that we, the tickets ran out for. We apologise. And thank you very much for listening. And we won't see you next week as we're on hiatus. No. But we will be back the week after. So feel free to fire any questions in the next two weeks. Terry, you, you saying much. goodbye? Oh, au revoir. Merci à tous. All that French stuff. Yeah. And uh, take care, everyone. probably off his face on drugs uh <laughs> i'll cut that out don't <laughs> <laughs> no no keep it in no no keep it in we, if, we're if, gonna if, transition if, it if we keep talking about this he can't cut it out right <laughs> we're gonna transition from one case to another <laughs> one's running out <laughs>